0: I'm Leah Witt,
1: and I'm Billy Liggett,
0: and this Rhymes with Orange.
1: Jeff Smith is a four-time Emmy-nominated broadcast journalist with over 20 years' experience in the field. The last 14 years have been with UNC Television here in North Carolina. And most recently, he has been the Military and Veteran Affairs Coordinator for UNC-TV. He's here today to talk about his Campbell experience from way back in the 90s. Way back. Way back in the (laughs) 90s. And uh, and to tell us uh, about what he does today, Uh, Jeff Smith, welcome to Rhymes with Orange. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So, Jeff, how did you get here in 1993?
2: Well, I was a baseball player in high school, and I was looking at going to college to play baseball. had several opportunities to play at different schools. Uh, I was very young. I was still 17, so I was not able to look at professional options because at the time you had to be 18 uh, to go professional. So college was definitely going to be in my future. I was looking at different schools like Methodist and Mount Olive and other uh, smaller schools as well, some bigger schools. But uh, about a month and a half before school was going to start for the fall semester 93, uh, Coach Mike Doherty came and saw me pitch in a game. Uh, I threw a uh, I shut out that game against a player he was trying to recruit and uh, a good <laughs> a good friend of mine, actually. Which I, So I f- always feel bad for Clay because he wanted to come here. Uh, but I took his spot and got recruited to come here to play. So I had to quickly sign up for classes. Uh, coach Doherty at the time was the coach here at ba- for baseball. He uh, walked me around to the natatorium and said, look, there's our field over there. And showed me the baseball field and said, do you want to come play here? I said, uh, yes, sir. I'll take a, I'll come here and play baseball for you. And this is a great opportunity to come here. I'd heard of Campbell. Uh, family had had a family friend who was on the board a long time before I even considered Campbell, so I'd heard of it before, but it was a, a good choice to come here to, play, to try to come play baseball here.
0: Well, so you're an interesting guest because you weren't at Campbell for very long. Um, what took you away from Campbell?
2: Well... Uh, several things took me away from Campbell. First of all, I was uh, wanted to play baseball, and so since I turned 18 after my first semester, uh, my grades were not the best at Campbell. I wish I would say they were great, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I did learn a lot when I was here. Uh, so I was looking at options of what I wanted to do, uh, and since I turned 18, there were several uh, major league teams that were still talking to to me from my time before. And so I looked at that experience and decided, you know what, I think it's time to try to make a professional career out of baseball while I was still young and healthy and able to. It didn't quite work out, uh, unfortunately, because of an injury, but that's the chance I took. and uh, But the important thing is, while I was here, though, I did learn a lot. And again, it goes back to where I am now. There was uh, one professor who I had here who did not tell me to go play baseball somewhere else. He actually told me to try to stay here and mm-hmm. work on my grades and he's someone I still talk to to this day who is in the uh, industry, television industry in this area. That's Gilbert Bays uh, wow. from WRAL. He was a speech instructor here at Campbell at the time.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was not a big role for him, but uh, that was, was he, my was reason. Was he trying
1: to tell you the odds for people who enter the mire? Was he Was he trying to feed you that line about, you know, <laughs> no, I think I I'm almost wondering if my mom
2: got to him at some point <laughs> saying, "You're going to finish school, son." And uh and I understand that mentality. She did not finish school, which was kind of the ironic ironic part of it, but she always told me, "Get your degree while you can, get it done. Uh you know, really concentrate on your studies because it'll serve you well long down the road." And uh, I'm sure Gilbert was saying something similar to that to me. Uh, because he knew that the the chances of having a long career in sports was not very good. Uh, But, you know, it was important to really work on my career. And I was lucky enough to start working in television before I came to Campbell even. And so Gilbert knew that. He said, you know, let's work on this. Let's get you going. I think he really wanted to find my way through uh, the TV industry and through college to go that route. So I think that was the reason for the the advice.
1: How old were you when you realized baseball wasn't... Was not in the cards?
2: Unfortunately, 18, right oh, okay. uh, right after what I was, left.
1: What uh, was the injury? I was in mind. a car accident. Oh, okay.
2: My knee and hip went different directions. Wow. And Ouch. that was on my power leg. I was, a, I was a middle relief pitcher. And so since the power leg was gone, there was not much left in, in yeah. my career for that. So. And it's still gone. Even today as a 40, almost 42-year-old, I, I've had knee reconstruction multiple times now yeah. to try to continue to walk.
1: <laughs> so how does an 18-year-old slide into the broadcast field then. You said you had a little bit of experience before Campbell. Um, tell us how you went from baseball to career. Well, after I, I left
2: Campbell, I did go to Central Carolina and, and finished my degree in radio television broadcasting. Uh, usually the theory side of things I learned here and the actual hands-on side there as a combination. It was a great uh, combination, but I was able to get my first job immediately before I even graduated from Central Carolina in Wilmington as a sports photographer and news photographer at Channel 3, the ABC affiliate in Wilmington. right, And that was very lucky timing. Started my internship, and two weeks later, Hurricane Fran hit. And so I was doing live shots in 1996 for ABC National News on the beach.
1: Lucky for you. Lucky for me. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I, saying, I, it sounds kind of like your story, Billy. I was, I was in disasters. Louisiana
1: when Katrina hit uh, as a journalist, too, so I understand... As a journalist, you're kind of, yay. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you know, I was, can be honest. I was young
2: enough to be to be dumb enough right. to realize this is fun. When right. I realize now, I look back and said this was not fun. I still have scar- a scar under my eye from a piece of sand that got sandblasted under oh, my wow. eye when I was out on the beach that day. Were,
1: the, were you on camera trying to show people what the wind velocity was? or
2: <laughs> At that time, I was behind the okay. camera. Uh, I was actually... Uh, I had a belt, two belts around me. One was around my waist. The other one was around a telephone pole that I was standing next <laughs> to. That kept me from blowing away in that 120 mile per hour wind it was. Uh, but it was it was I always wonder
1: about the thought process that goes into into trying to get those shots.
2: It's adrenaline. It's pure adrenaline, honestly. Uh, once you're in it, you you forget what you're doing. You forget some of the dangers that you're doing. And it is crazy. And I don't miss it that much, but Every time a storm comes up, I still get, you know, excited and want to be out there. And then I realize I don't want to be out there and go through all of that. So I hand it to those guys that still and girls that still do all of that in the industry.
0: So how do you go from taking pictures of Hurricane Fran to being on UNC-TV talking about the military?
2: Well, it's been a long career uh, already. And part of that was doing sports and news in between with commercial news i uh, in Wilmington and Richmond, Virginia, D.C., uh, South Florida and Naples even, and unfortunately the sports departments across the country were downsizing in the early 2000s, and I was caught up in that, went from a five-man staff to a one-man staff where I was at, so I got laid off, and so... At the point, I didn't want to do commercial news anymore. I was tired of being told to go knock on the door of the family who had just passed, had someone pass away. It very much got old. Uh, I was good at it, which was not a good thing to know that you were good at that. And uh, so, I decided to find something else. And I was going to get out of the business altogether, but ended up finding a job at UNC TV as a news, as a photographer again, photo, photojournalist for them, and served the needs I needed to come back home to to where my family is from and in the Raleigh area. And then I was also able to do reporting immediately. And as the time went on, I was asked to do some documentary work with the military, which is how I got started with that. So my very first uh, assignment with UNC-TV with the military was asked to go on board the USS North Carolina submarine and spend wow. a few days at sea with them and do a documentary on that. So I got to go out and be with them as they went through their sea trials on uh, the first dive on the submarine, which is interesting when they say, all right, we're going to dive to 800 feet. We haven't done it yet. Let's see how it goes. And knowing that I've, they've already sealed the hatch, I'm not coming back <laughs> out of here if it, if something goes wrong. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I did that. And since then, I've done a f- uh, about four or five other documentaries with Air Force, Army, uh, and also with a couple, another naval ship as well, I was able to do a, a week on a destroyer. So that started that aspect of it. And I knew Ken Burns' series was coming up on UNC-TV uh, in the PBS network at some point. Yeah, the Vietnam right. one. Uh, they weren't telling us exactly when, but I knew it had to be coming up soon after the, the, the war came out from World War II that he had done. And I already had the ties at Fort Bragg. I was calling them up and saying, hey, this is going to be coming up. Just let's be heads up on it. And sure enough, uh, Ken Burns released the, the dates that were going to be September of 2017, that we were going to be able to, to have that series come out. And my management said, well, I think you should be working on that. And, said, and I answered, no problem. I've already started it. Here's what I have.
1: How long ago was this? This. Had, like How much time were you given before it came out to-
2: I found out last uh, in 2016 so it was probably May or June of 2016 that it was going to be coming out. Okay. And I was starting to work on some other projects around the military at the time. Uh, uh North County Veterans Coffee is something that is out of the Triad okay. originally. Uh, Don Timmons is a Vietnam veteran. He started this up with free coffee and donuts for veterans in the Triad region. And I had gone to one of the coffees and realized how important it was for them to have a chance just to have get together and meet and greet with coffee and donuts and have no real agenda. And I asked Don later, I said, who's doing this in the, in the Raleigh area? And he said, well, no one. I said, well, how would you like for my wife and I to start this up? Uh, my wife's family is nice enough to have a charitable trust, that they wanted us to do something physical as well as just don- donating money to a, a group. And we both wanted to do something for the veterans. And then next thing I know, UNC-TV, my management said, how would you like to host it here at UNC-TV? And we'll be a part of it. This right. is a random you know, group of thoughts that came together, and we were able to bring that in. So all of that happened as well. We had our very first one at the studio last October in 2016, uh, October 1st. So those two things combined brought me into the role I am in now as military and veterans affairs coordinator.
1: And now, um, I assume you don't have a military background. Does anybody in your immediate family have? or?
2: My parents did not serve. I have two uncles that were Vietnam veterans, and one of which is the reason I got involved into what I wanted to do as well. Uh, he's out of Greensboro, uh, and he's the only uh, one of the two that's still surviving, but when This sounds horrible, but when my grandmother passed away, my mother was dying of cancer at the time, and so she was the youngest. She had the five older brothers, and my uncle in Greensboro, he was talking to her for the first time ever of why his actions were the way he was, why he was making decisions the way he was. I don't want to get too involved in, in what his background was, but what he explained helped explain so much about who he was and why he went through what he did and how it changed who he was. Right. And I knew some other people had to have that same issue. So my uncle, uh, who I never really thought of as a as a hero, as a veteran, but he was, and he just did his duty, uh, but that inspired me to want to be more involved in doing the storytelling as well.
1: You find that, um, especially from Vietnam era, there's two types of veterans, one who um, doesn't mind talking about it, and other who uh, it would take a lot for them to talk about it. And I imagine you've probably got some people through through this program to open up. Um, what's the general sense you get from veterans from that era?
2: The first thing is most Vietnam veterans are very proud of what they did. It has nothing to do with where they were at or what they were asked to do. They just know they're proud that they did their job. And... Obviously, when they came back, there was a lot of issues with the way society treated them when they came back. The way the VA treated them when they came back was not very good at all. So a lot of them turned their back towards uh, getting help from people or being even wanting to admit that they were Vietnam veterans. The ones who saw the biggest combat and the worst things are the ones that are hardest to actually get to open up about anything they did because of the battle scars that they saw, and you can't blame them for that. But the ones... You have to watch out for the ones that either never went over there and they try to say they are Vietnam veterans, and there's the ones that are used the loudest on some of the issues you hear in the in society. they're the the fakers we call them and yeah. it's sad that those people exist, but uh I think now a lot of the veterans the, the the real veterans from Vietnam are trying to open up because they're tired tired of all the falsehoods that were out there and have been out in society for thirty, forty, fifty years now and they want to set the record straight. And it's just about asking them the right question. And the first thing is, so what did you do in Vietnam? You start with just a simple question. It gets them to start realizing you're not trying to put them in a corner. You're not trying to pressure them. They're willing to share what they're going to share. And when they're, st- when they're done, don't keep asking them anymore. Right. Just let them say what they're going to say. And you'll be amazed how many times they come back later and want to share even more. They start remembering other stories because they've held it so far deep in their brain they don't want to bring it out because they're worried that what's going to come out of that what their what memories are going to come back up uh, but the important thing also is whenever I do these stories I typically partner with the vet centers and have counselors available at any point and if they need help if they need to talk to someone professional who's not me obviously I'm not a professional counselor But those counselors are important. But that's what the Vietnam vets need to have more of, that that counseling service available.
1: Is there a, um, did you want to promote, um, is there a website or is there a, 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 somewhere they can go to learn more about these events? Yeah,
2: the website at UNCTV is very simple. It's unctv.org slash veterans. We also have our North Carolina channel, which is a secondary channel of UNCTV. It's ncchannel.org slash veterans as well. Uh, both sites are pretty much identical. Uh, there's calendar of events for our veterans' coffees we have as well as any programming we have. But it's also on those sites we have the resources to the VA, to the vet centers, to the North Carolina Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, which is a huge partner of ours as well. And all of those resources are available. They're all free, uh, and it's you know for families as well. It's not just the veteran the person who served. It's the spouses, the children. There's a lot of people who can get help that might not understand how to even speak to their veteran family member. That's a great great resource.
0: So you started at Campbell when you were 17. You had ideas of being a, a great baseball star. Um, and now, in my opinion, I think you're doing even more valuable work. What would you tell our current students that are, have their future ahead of them? What, would you, what advice would you give them?
2: That's a big question. I, I would say the best advice I can give to you is, Work on the challenges that are ahead of you, the ones you don't know, you can't really prepare for, but know that there's going to be something you can't handle that's coming up. And the best way to be ready for that is to just say, know who you are, know what you want to be, and know who's around you, who your mentors are, whether it be friends, whether it be teachers, whatever. Know that you can call on those people to get help because you can't solve all the problems yourself. You need to be able to find people around you who can make those solutions possible. Uh, it's the only way I made it through this whole craziness, craziness of the last 20-some yeah. years is asking others around me for help. You, you have to have it and work on family. Yeah.
0: That's great advice.
1: Well, Jeff Smith, uh, this went fast, as they tend to do, and we have uh, very intriguing guests. So thank you very much for being on our show today. And, uh um I hope uh, anyone that wants to learn more, go to org slash veterans and uh, find out more about what he does. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, and go camels.
0: So I thought it's very appropriate that we have Jeff Smith in the studio today because... The Houston's beat the Yankees this weekend and they're in the World Series.
1: The Houston's.
0: The Houston's. The Houston. I don't watch baseball, the Houston's. <laughs> <laughs> the Houston's. Well, that's I was a, like, oh, is that right? I'm just talking.
1: That's a perfect segue, Leah, to uh, to actually what I wanted to talk about today, which was um which was baseball and uh, it fits in well with our guest as well. So, whether you're a big baseball fan Clearly or I am or not. someone like Leah who has just passing knowledge of the sport, and roots for the Houstons, and you probably heard this week, um, either on social media or maybe you follow sports, that the Houstons are in the World Series, and I'm talking about the Houston Astros. Uh, this is Houston's second trip to the World Series. They were, in 2005, they were they made it as a National League team, and they lost to the Chicago White Sox, so they're trying to win their first ever world title, and they'll be facing the LA Dodgers this week. So now if you're associated with Campbell in any way, then you've probably heard of the Buies Creek Astros. And if you receive Campbell Magazine, then you've definitely heard of the Buies Creek Astros because they were the subject of our cover story this week or this month, actually. Um, the Buies Creek Astros are the minor league team that is playing here at Campbell this year and next year until their permanent stadium in downtown Fayetteville is complete. And I featured the Astros in Campbell Magazine because I wanted to find out how the community was embracing them, how they were embracing the community. But in doing so, I learned a lot about minor league baseball that I didn't know, such as um, the whole system of high A affiliates and double A affiliates. And so, um, I kind of what I wanted to do today was explain why the Buies Creek Astros are associated with the Houston Astros, and why you as a Campbell fan, Campbell alum, Campbell anything um, should be re- rooting for the Houston Astros this week and next week because um, Houston's success will actually have a part in Bowie's Creek's success next year as well. So what I'm going to do is explain this affiliation, and I'm going to try to do it in baseball terms that, Leah, even you would understand.
0: Hey, hey, <laughs> I worked at a minor league team when I was in college, but Obviously. it was the Braves. <laughs> the Atlantas. I did, I, the, <laughs> the Atlantas. <laughs> actually, it was the Danvilles because it was the Danville Braves.
1: Okay. Um, so you understand that. So the Bowie's Creek Astros are actually owned by the Houston Astros. Not every minor league team is owned by a major league team. There are some affiliates that are um, independent of of any major league team and their players play and hopefully are picked up by major league squads or or other minor league squads. But the Bowie's Creek team is actually owned by Houston and they're what you would call a farm team, meaning the players, like crops are brought in, they're cultivated, and then they're shipped off to market, which would be Houston. Again, I'm trying to put this in very, very general terms. Um, Bowie's Creek is what's known as a high A affiliate and that's kind of in the middle of the whole system. Um, Players are drafted or brought in by the Astros usually as high school seniors, um, as college players, or sometimes they're brought in from other countries. A lot of them are brought in from South American countries like the Dominican Republic, Cuba, Panama, Mexico. Um, And a lot of them, when they first come here as 18-year-olds, start out in rookie leagues. And then from the rookie leagues, uh, they go on to... um, some, there's some fall leagues, and there's some other leagues like that, but uh, um, kind of the starting point for today's purposes is Class A, and Houston's Class A affiliate is in Iowa. It's actually, um, I learned uh, blocks away from a Purina dog food plant, and the players who came to Bowie's Creek were ecstatic because they didn't have to smell dog food rendering whenever they were trying to play baseball, so they were very happy to be here, and um, So up from Class A, it's High A, and that's what Bowie's Creek is. So um, high school seniors who are drafted, I looked this up today, actually, there's only a 0.5% chance that a high school senior drafted by a major league team will ever make to the majors. That's about one out of every 200 players. But if you make it to a High A squad, then your chances go up to about 17%. So Bowie's Creek this year had two first-round players, um, Forrest Whitley, who was a first-round pitcher, and Kyle Tucker, who was a outfielder. Both of them were uh, first-rounders from the 2016 and 2017 drafts. And both of them are already millionaires because when you are drafted in the first round, you sign a bonus. And um, the other players who are making kind of the baseball equivalent of minimum wage call these guys bonus babies because they are millionaires playing on uh, the squad with a bunch of other guys that are making about twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 a year. Um, but Bowie's Creek had two of those and they had uh, two or three other guys who are considered top prospects. So of the, of the, Team you saw at Bowie's Creek this year, four or five of them will probably play for the Houston Astros in the next three or four years. Um, I mentioned Tucker and Whitley. Um, both of them actually moved on middle of the year to double A Corpus Christi. And Triple A Fresno. Tucker is actually, they're saying he might actually make the Astros squad next year, depending on what their outfield situation is. So, the Astros organization as a whole is now one of the best teams in baseball, and they also have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Um, In full disclosure, I grew up near Dallas, Texas, so I was taught to hate everything coming out of Houston. But I lived in Houston for a few years, and I had never hated the Astros. I always kind of liked them. We went to a lot of Astros games and then covering them this year i actually became a fan my kids became masters fans so we're all never thought i would see this you saw a house full of my family cheering on a houston team this week so we were very happy that they made it um i think next year will be the last year that they play here in Bowie's creek Last year, attendance wasn't so great, so I hope maybe the World Series kind of drums up a little bit more interest. They'll have more first-round picks coming through. They'll have more Major League prospects coming through. I hope to see more people at the games next year. Let's give them a proper send-off before, before they actually go to Fayetteville and become the Fatbacks or the Woodpeckers. I think those are the final two names. So join me, Campbell Community, in saying go Stros this week, and then next year let's do our part and uh, giving the proper send-off and filling up the ballpark. And this week, you can say, go Houstons.
0: (laughs) Go Houstons. Rhymes with Orange is a product of Campbell University's Office of Communications and Marketing. Dr. Britt Davis serves as our Vice President of Institutional Advancement, with Haven Hoddle as Assistant Vice President of Communications and Marketing. Director of Visual Identity is Jonathan Bronsink. Web Design is Nikki Zawal rhymes with orange is co-produced by sarah harden and hosted by leah witt that's me and billy liggett
1: that's me and find us on itunes find us on facebook find us at campbell.edu and uh we need uh we need you to keep listening
0: until then go campbells Campbells. (laughs) 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 took me a second